It's that time again on a Friday when AM Live presents another update from the coalface with Martin Kremer, publishing editor of Engineering News and Mining Weekly. Welcome once again, Martin. Thanks, Akina. Martin, South Africa's famous Cullinan Diamond Mine is about to receive a massive new cash injection. What's that about? Yes, you know, it's a 110-year-old mine, and they're still planning to put another 1.6 billion rand into it, which shows you, you know, the legs that diamonds have. And this mine, of course, is famous because this is where the biggest diamond, the biggest white diamond ever was found, you know, over 3,100 carats. And part of that diamond now forms the crown jewels. You know, the great star of Africa is in the crown jewels, plus another part of it in the scepter in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it's still producing big diamonds. And that's one of the reasons why the current owners, Petra Diamonds, listed in London, you know, want to raise this capital. They're raising billions at the moment, and 1.6 billion of that will go into a new plant for Cullinan because they realize that these big stones are so valuable that you must treat them gently and they've got a 68 year old plant there that uses old technology and it's high maintenance but it also doesn't look after these big stones the way it should so it's going to put in a new autogenous mill to make sure that they are very sensitive and keep the big magnitude that Cullinan is is well known for and of course you know down the road in Limpopo we have a an expansion of another mine that's the Venetia mine and we know that uh, Anglo-American is putting 20 billion rand to go underground there and that will increase the life of that mine by another half century so although there are a few problems downstream in the diamond industry at the moment lack of finance in the supply chain when it comes to polishing which is holding up the industry a bit you can see on the mining side people are preparing for a strong future in diamonds and Momentum, they're finally building up for the large-scale supply of electricity by private sector power producers. Now, the emphasis is private sector power producers. This is non-ESCOM state production, and we've been trying to hasten this for some time. And, of course, the big concentration from the Department of Energy has been around renewable energy, sun and wind. But at last now, the department has come out with a roadmap for bigger uh, uh, participation. Of course, that initial wind and sun has already produced investment of 168 billion rand. That's underway with 79 projects, uh, you know, coming through with 5,000 megawatts of potential power. They're going to expand that as well with another 6,300 megawatts of sun and wind and renewable energy. But importantly, they brought in, you know, the, the guidelines for coal. And uh, by mid year, we should have the the, the bids in and by the end of the year preferent uh, bids accepted for coal which will give us another 2,500 megawatts in 6,000 megawatt batches and then gas uh, they want to extract about 3,000 megawatts from that but standing there ready to just be harvested is cogeneration and they've also got a roadmap for that they want at least 800 megawatts I'm sure they can get much more because we know just down you know the road we would have had a closure of uh, a ferromanganese plant in Metalois which is going to be South 32 now because BHP Bulletin has spun out that South 32 yesterday Mm. you know big vote in favor of that and so we now have this um, situation where cogeneration has saved all those jobs uh, because far-sighted company owners realized that you know Eskim power is going to get more expensive and they've got the heat they've got the gas why not harvest that and make sure you get your own power so they're generating 25 percent of their own power through cogeneration and that is keeping that uh, ferromanganese plant going where we see where it hasn't been done in Mashada Dorp they've closed that so it's important for private sector to you know get the go-ahead 
particularly for cogeneration and also for demand reduction because that is low-hanging fruit saying, you know, we will incentivize you to use less electricity. You've, there's so much equipment available to enable you to use less. It's virtually like building a new power station. And um, micro-dotting, no, no, here's something, you know, been hearing about it for a couple of years now, but never really taking it seriously. And uh, micro-dotting technology has helped the police to recover more than 14,000 stolen vehicles, so it actually works. It actually works. You know, it's now compulsory. Every new vehicle coming out of the production line in South Africa has to be micro-dotted. And we know that means spraying 10,000 dots onto a vehicle in at least 67 different parts, but often up to 88 different parts of the vehicle. Now, these are tiny little dots. They are not even a pinprick. They are smaller than a grain of salt, but they contain 17 digits that can identify the owner. It can give you the vehicle identification number. And people have said, but, you know, these cars get pulled apart and you know, how how is this going to help you know in, in a chop shop or anything mm. like that so they said okay we'll show you and they actually put an explosive device into one of the cars they blew the car up and you could still find the identification through their you know ultraviolet means etc so the police have now found that just from one company you know is reporting that uh, 14,206 stolen vehicles have been recovered. That is something like 57%. Our normal average of recovery before micro-dotting was about 30% recovery uh, in very difficult circumstances, and now up to you know 57% being recovered through this technology that they're now wanting to expand to other areas, not only vehicles. And uh, the report is that City Power in Johannesburg is now micro-dotting all its transformers. And there are steps to try and get a micro-dot procedure into cables.